You are listening to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer, Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties. Welcome back to the Gay Florida Man. This is episode 11. And today we're going to be talking about the essential cinema for any gay person. Today is going to be really exciting. This is my first three-way. I know for, for most people, that's probably shocking. It's like the Florida gay man. I'm sure he has a lot of experience, but I've never done it before. And, shocking. And so joining me, well, you just heard the voice of Lexi. We got to have somebody from the lesbian community joining us. Hello, Thank Lexi. You. Well, hello. Welcome to the threesome. Yeah, um, I'm excited. Do you need now- any pointers? You know, Robbie and I can help. Oh, yeah, yeah. Please, if I'm doing anything wrong, then then please point it out. Please correct me. Of course. Okay. And joining us again is is Robbie. Robbie, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Oh, it's great to have you in my threesome. I wish I could say the same, but I'm getting paid, so <laughs> let's just do this. So we're going to talk about the essentials of gay cinema, the essential films for the gay community. Now, I'm going to start it out, and I'm going to talk about a legendary film that affects so many gay people. I don't know if you guys are on board, but it's 1939. It's The Wizard of Oz. And do you, do you guys think that's a gay film? Uh, not really. I was just wondering how old you were. So Nasty, um... nasty, nasty. She's already bringing it. We just started the podcast, and she's already bringing it. It's an age joke. I know that the gay community is supposed to be all accepting, but when it comes to ageism, we, uh, we, I don't know. I there's some history there. What about you, Robbie? What do you think, Wizard of Oz? Um, I, I honestly, I didn't think so at first, but as I got older, um, I believe it is. I feel like it's kind of a, it's a part of the gay community. It's something that every. Uh, for the most part, every LGBTQ plus person has been exposed to it at some point or another. I feel like it's just part of growing up, especially in this uh, the Alphabet Mafia. You got to watch this movie. You got to watch this film. It's a part of your life. So we're all that, friends of Dorothy. Exactly. I would think so. I'm going to make my argument. You know, I'm going to try to bring Lexi on board with us, Robbie. A comedian once said that it's the classic gay film about two bitches fighting over a pair of shoes. And if you if you look at like the characters, first of all, the theme song from Wizard of Oz, Over the Rainbow, and of course the rainbow flag of the gay community. I mean, yeah. right there, and it, it just in those two items, I'd say, God, of course it's a gay film. But then you do a breakdown of all the characters, and how can you not say that this is a classic gay film? You got Dorothy, she's the classic fag hag, or if you want to be politically correct, the classic fruit fly you've got the tin man who's like every gay guy i've ever dated no heart you've got the scarecrow like the chiseled adonis at any gym but no brains and then finally you've got the representative of the bear community we have the lion <laughs> i mean this is a gay film and, and you're not going to tell me otherwise well you did forget the flying monkeys oh so. well 
you know, I, and I also didn't really mention the munchkins, but that's kind of like gay pride, just, you know, running around, having sex with everybody, drinking as much as you can. Running amok. See, you're just helping my argument, Lexi. Well, I do. I do believe that it is a staple in the gay movie connection. See, now I think you're getting on board. Uh, Robbie and I, we have a friend, Lance, and he does a Christmas tree every Christmas where it's filled with all these different ornaments and uh, decorations relating to the Wizard of Oz. It's his Wizard of Oz Christmas tree, and it's it's pretty spectacular. It sounds very gay. <laughs> it is very gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very gay. It's very happy. It's very Christmassy. <laughs> That was one of my earliest films, and of course, it's kind of like very connected to the gay community. It's also weird that Judy Garland died right before the Stonewall Riots in New York that established gay pride. That's kind of a weird connection, too. For you guys, that's one of my earliest films. I love all the characters, all the bright colors, all the happiness, the two bitches fighting over shoes. What's your guys' earliest film that might be... Uh, link to being gay? Oof. For me, I would... I think one of the first films that I... Maybe it was a red flag. I think it was a pretty decently red flag. <laughs> um, was that I was just a 50-year-old uh, southern white woman when I watched uh, Still Magnolias. And <laughs> All at, right. like, at nine years old, I was absolutely enamored with the content with the accents with the drama with the bitchiness and the <laughs> the crude humor and i knew right then and there i was reincarnated in this not white not 50 year old not female body i don't know still magnolias was definitely a movie that i watched and i grew up and nobody else in my age group even fucking cared but then I got older, and then in the gay community, you talk about Still Magnolias and Shelby and drinking her juice and fucking <laughs> all of this shit. And I was like, oh, my God. So this is a gay movie. Like, this is a this is a staple in the community. And I had no idea growing up. I, that was probably one of my first films I'd watched. And people were like, oh, that's ahead of your time. Would I talk to my mom's friends about it? Absolutely. It's whatever. <laughs> that's that's a very impressive entry 1989 steel magnolias what a cast shirley oh my McLean, god yeah shirley mclean olympia dukakis sally field julia roberts dolly parton daryl hannah tom scarrett it goes on and on and on what an amazing cast no wonder it was such a popular movie it's definitely a staple for the gay community you know gay guys and oh yeah from the lesbian perspective your thoughts lexi well, first, my thoughts on that movie is I ran as far away from my Southern family that was just like that. <laughs> it <had> so... <laughs> and that one did not remind me of being gay at all. <laughs> what, now, and, and where where was home for you? Um, Alabama was okay. where a lot of my Southern family was or still is. Okay. Steel Magnolias. Uh, it took place in Louisiana. Is that right, Robbie? Yes. Uh, yes, I okay. believe so. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Lexi, your thoughts, your earliest film that you can remember? I would, I would have to say Fried Green Tomatoes. Oh, oh my God. Awesome. Right? And plus, my mom was accepting of it because she was completely unaware of the like lesbian undertones in it. <laughs> Fried Green Tomatoes, 1991. Oh, shit. Kathy Bates, Jessica Tandy. 
Wonderful mm-hmm. movie. Wonderful movie. Chris O'Donnell. That was one of his earlier films. Oh. What? He's yeah. in that? Yep. Oh, Lee shit. But, okay. Buddy, Buddy Threadgood. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I'm watching again tonight. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, moving on. Okay, so that's the <laughs> earliest ones. Now let's talk about comedy. If uh, if you were going to be referring a gay friend to a comedy, what would be the film that you'd say is a must? For me, and I know we haven't talked about this before, at least the three of us haven't, is the movie Tootsie. Dustin Hoffman, 1982. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about that movie. Oh my gosh. That movie is absolutely, I can watch that a million times and still laugh. And it, it's amazing. Of course, you got this struggling actor, can't break it in, has a total attitude. His agent tells him, you can't get work anywhere. He goes up for a um, soap opera and has to dress as a woman and gets the part influences women across the United mm-hmm. States and then can't escape the fucking part. <laughs> I go ahead, Lexi, I'm sorry. I was gonna say that's great. What a great, you know, standing for a movie. <laughs> it's I think that my favorite part of Tootsie is the the lead actress that he's so attracted to her father on the farm. And oh my Char- god Charles Durning. <laughs> That is gold. It's comedy gold. Love it. I, if somebody, it, it, what's funny is that I completely blocked that movie out. I don't know why, but when you brought that up right now, Dustin Hoffman, I remember hearing about that the first time. And this was actually, I'm 32, so extensionally a lot younger than you, Mark. Um, in, <laughs> a lot probably, younger. <laughs> but in my, uh, in my early 20s, I remember somebody bringing that to my attention, and they said Dustin Hoffman. I was like, no, you got to be wrong. Like, Dustin Hoffman, I love him to death. Like, he's a great actor, but he's one of those actors that would never be a part of a, a movie like that, for the most part, to my knowledge, and be in drag. And then, of course, <laughs> watching it, and I thought, where the fuck has this been? And why is this Why is this not more well-known? Why is this not more, I, I guess, talked about more often? Um, and I feel like it faded away. Again, for the most part, because, again, when you're bringing this up, it's almost like it kind of just fell behind the rest. It, it's such a good movie. I, I think it's a classic. And, I mean, again, it's also another movie that has such an amazing cast. You know, a lot of people forget about Jessica Lange and Bill Murray. I, like I mentioned earlier, Charles Durning, Dabney Coleman, Terry Garr, Jessica Lange. Just, just a great <laughs> cast. Just <sighs> a great cast. If you have not seen it, we should have probably said this earlier. There's definitely going to be spoilers as we talk about all these classic oh, films. Yeah. Spoiler so, alert. Yes. But make sure you have a notepad out and get ready to jot down some great films. Okay. That's my comedy. That's my go-to. We got to circle back. I got another one that I, I really want to talk to you guys about. <laughs> but um, Robbie, what's your, uh, what's your comedy? What's your go-to? Oh, okay, it's gonna be it's gonna be an obvious one, but this one I'm a diehard fan. Tu Wong Fu, thanks okay. for everything, Jolie yes. Marm. <laughs> that was a one of the very. There's just a, a handful of films that I've seen that was life changing, and it may sound dramatic in saying that, but honestly, I felt not necessarily seen. I felt like this film 
was so well done. And even though it's kind of campy, it's kind of goofy and funny, and it has some minor slapstick stuff, I think it had these, especially the the drag queens, um, the actors in it, uh, they are known for being very masculine, these macho, heroic, straight (laughs) actors that are put in this film that portray very, for the most part, feminine, very vulnerable. You are, you fall in love with them. They're put in a situation for me, which is more of a conservative, small town kind of life. It grabbed me by the pearls, let's just say. And um, (laughs) it, it, it made me feel a bit more comfortable with myself. It made me feel that there is this community apart from like what they end up from New York to California, I think was the whole trip Mm -hmm. Um, there apart from that, that there was a small town that was willing to, again, spoiler, accept them and to understand that they're human beings. And that, you know, apart from underneath the, the wigs and the dresses and the makeup that they all supported one another. And I felt that on a personal level. And so that movie Apart from the lovey, the heartwarming story, it was so goddamn funny. Some of the <laughs> some of the quotes will live forever in infamy. Vita, she works out. Yes, she works out. <laughs> some of that stuff. It's just classic. And so that would be my go-to. Anybody that has an open ear, I will hit you in the face with the DVD. You have to watch it. You have to watch it one of the best in my younger days i used to get ready to the opening song to that every time we'd go out to a club <laughs> really yes it's a wonderful song if you ever listen to it in full uh, you, you know ready you, for the clubs <laughs> when you talk about wesley snipes patrick swayze and john leguizamo you like i have to agree so much with you robbie and the fact that it shows their versatility as amazing actors and the fact that they can do all these other roles very masculine that they're known for but then to be able to do this film and pull it off and be so amazing it's pretty great it's pretty great yes yep uh lexi what about you a comedy um i have to say but i'm a cheerleader is one of my favorites <sighs> that I try to get anybody and everybody to watch. It's wonderfully campy. It's got an amazing cast. It's just wonderful. You you had mentioned that the other day, and I and I got to see this because I've never seen this movie. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's it, 1999, which I yeah. can't believe I missed it. Yeah, um, it came out very campy, but it's got so many like great people in it. And it's, you know, the premises of this family gives like an intervention to this girl because they're all convinced she's a lesbian. And she's (laughs) like, but I'm a cheerleader and I have a Christian boyfriend I won't sleep with. And you're, you're all crazy. And she goes to like gender, not gender. What's the like pray the gay away type camp type thing? Oh, conversion. Conversion type camp. Yeah. The, The tagline for the movie is a naive teenager is sent to a rehab camp where her straight-laced parents and friends suspect her of being a lesbian. Yeah. She's a vegetarian. She likes Melissa Etheridge, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, those type of things. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to watch this because I know you've brought this up to me before. RuPaul's in this movie and Mink Stoll uh, yes. you know, from the uh, John Waters films. Yep. Uh, Mink Stoll, that is. But uh, that's definitely going to have to be on my list to watch. 
It's so um, good. You both have now said the word campy. And so that is a word thrown around a lot, especially among like when you're talking about movies and you're talking about gay movies. So I looked it up on Urban Dictionary because I wanted to see kind of like what the general synopsis is on the definition of campy. And it says being so extreme that it has an amusing and sometimes perversely sophisticated appeal over the top and farcical intentionally exaggerated so as not to be taken seriously um would you still say that these movies because the ones that they list little shop of horrors and the rocky horror picture show are widely considered to be very campy would you guys agree yes yes absolutely another one another suggestion they say is the batman television series from the 1960s <laughs> which of course julie newmar was the Catwoman. Yep. So we come full circle. Again, I'm 32. So (laughs) look up in the history books, Robbie, on the history of Batman. I know for you, it's like, oh my God, going way back to 1989 with Michael Keaton. Jesus Christ, that was so (laughs) long ago. Thanks. Technically, he wasn't born. I know. (laughs) If it's not on TikTok, I just won't know. Just kidding. I am not, I don't do TikTok. I just, disclaimer, I don't. So the other comedy I wanted to talk about briefly before we move on is I wanted to talk about Bruno. And so, Lexi, you haven't seen Bruno, have you? I have not. Nope. Okay. Robbie, you saw Bruno. Yes. Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> and, I, and I think I've shared this story with you guys. But I saw it on a date in West Jordan, Utah. And it was so amazing to sit in that theater. And I'm the gay guy. I've seen probably a million dicks, actually 2 million because I worked 20 years in a prison. I've seen a lot of dicks in my day. And so here I am in West Jordan and here's a gigantic penis on the screen and I'm uncomfortable and I'm filled with a theater full of people that are younger than me, like Robbie per se, and everybody's laughing and I'm the only one uncomfortable and I'm the gay guy. I should love it, right? And it was just so weird. I As I look back, I'm so proud of the fact that Utah had become so progressive. It's like, hey, this is funny shit. That's a hard one for Utah because I grew up in Utah, and on one end, we have Utah has some of the best gay prides ever. Yep. Yes. But were they laughing because they thought being gay was funny, or you know, it was it was a young crowd in the theater that night, and I think that they they just loved the character and the situations that they were put in and it it was a very funny movie that there were some scenes that were just so beyond camp so far over the top like it it was awkward but it uh (laughs) it was authentic i think it was authentic laughter it was not like these queers are out of control this is i mean i didn't even see anybody leave the theater honestly lexi i didn't wow yeah yeah any other uh, comedies that we need to mention before moving on? I love In and Out. I don't know if you guys oh, watched yeah. that. Yep. I have yet to see that. Got Joan Cusack in it. I'll watch oh. anything with a Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> 1997, In and Out. Kevin Klein did a really amazing job as he kind of like found himself, if I remember correctly. A Midwestern teacher questions his sexuality after a former student makes a comment about him at the Academy Awards. And oh. 
It's it's good. It's got uh, Matt Dillon, uh, like Lexi said, Joan Kuzak, Kevin Klein, Tom Selleck, Debbie Reynolds, Utah's own Wilford Brimley, Bob Newhart, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. That's Another an insane amazing, cast. Amazing cast. So my, my grandma always says she thinks my dad looks like Tom Selleck, and this is the only thing I think of every time she says that. <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking of one scene, and I'm like, Wow. Because right. I was shocked when I saw it. When was it Tom Selleck and Kevin Klein that shared a kiss? Yes. That's the yeah. theme scene I think of every time. That you think interesting. <laughs> you make the connection to your dad. See, and I know your dad, and I'm like, wow, I'm really having a hard time making that connection. <laughs> he's like he's like a classic cowboy, but at the same time, he's not he's not ignorant at all. He's loving and kind and compassionate very understanding human being i i love that you call him a cowboy i call him a mountain hippie <laughs> i have never heard that expression uh, i think i might have made it up just for him i like that <laughs> you know the next time i see him that's what's going to probably pop into my head that and uh in and out now <laughs> moving on favorite gay horror movie Ooh. Mm. Uh, for me, I guess I'll go first. There are two uh, that are almost neck and neck. Both of them lesbian movies. Of course. I, right? It's the lesbians just want to murder each other. I don't know what it is. So uh, <laughs> angry. It's like over the Birkenstocks or Chacos or, you know, Tevas. So uh, it's these two films. They're honestly neck and neck. And one of them I watched recently is called What Keeps You Alive. Uh, and it takes place of, of a couple. Uh, I think they're girlfriends. And they end up going to one of the females like family's cabin. And they're both kind of outdoors women. And so they kind of like do the whole like hiking and enjoying the outdoors a little bit. And then come to find out that there is some... <laughs> The girls that owns, I guess the girl's family that owns the cabin, there is an ulterior motive of why she takes the girls out to this cabin. So it's a, it's a survival. I thought it was pretty damn good, except for a portion of, I know that lesbians are stronger than that. I, it's, it stresses me the hell out. Like if my sister can scare the shit out of my prison ridden brother, <laughs> the other girl in that movie, I know that she's capable of more. Anyways, I'll leave it at that. So there's that movie, and then the other one that it's tied to is one that is has a little bit more notoriety called High Tension. It's an older film, and it is a mind fuck. It completely blew my mind, for the most part. I haven't seen it in quite a few years, but I've watched it several times just to make sure. It's one of those films you have to watch a couple of times to make sure that you grasp what you actually just watched. And it was, ex I thought, extremely well done. I almost want to say it's a foreign film. So I want to say Swedish or something along those lines. It is so goddamn good. That's all I got to say. Watch it. Watch that shit. I haven't heard of either of these. <sighs> now, um, High Tension, is that 2003? Just so I know I'm looking at the right one. I believe so. The, the front, I know the cover of the film shows a blonde-haired uh, female with like a, like a chopped like pixie cut and she's holding like a like a sawzall or like a like a saw in her hand like almost like a rotary saw 
and she's wearing her Birkenstocks, and she has a like a organic smoothie in her hand as well. Just kidding. Minus the two things, that's definitely the front cover. And she runs over people in her Subaru wagon. Is that it's, is that where this is going? To be specific, but yes. <laughs> so let me re- let me read you the tagline of this movie. Okay. Just to see if best friends Marie and Alexia decide to spend a quiet weekend at Alexia's parents' secluded farmhouse. But on the night of their arrival, the girl's idyllic getaway turns into an endless night of horror. And that it looks, seems about right. Okay, and it looks like it is a, a foreign film. It looks like a lot of the cast has different names that I don't even know how to pronounce. <laughs> so, we'll just go. Oh, and it, it, it's French. Yes, it is French. You okay, okay. Oh, That's so it. good. So damn good. All right, 2003. There you go. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lexi? Horror movie? Um, I have to say The Craft. Oh, okay. Oh, very, very good film. Yes, very like homoerotic on the lesbian end as well. 1996. A newcomer yeah. to a Catholic prep school falls in with a trio of outcast teenage girls who practice witchcraft, and they all soon conjure up various spells and curses against those who anger them. I think that uh, everybody probably knows this. Well, most people do know this movie. This was a very popular film. Again, great cast. I'm great looking cast. at all these. Did you, uh, when you watch this movie and you have all these outcast girls, did you connect with any of the the storyline? Not so much the like getting into witchcraft, but more feeling like an outsider growing up in the middle of Mormon Valley as the only lesbian in my high school. You uh, know, totally. there weren't like four others or three others to join with me though and curse anybody. It's just me. <laughs> Damn it. <Here. laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so for me, and I know that I've talked with you, Robbie, about it, uh, as far as horror films, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Mark Patton, 1985, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, it's like a possession movie, but it has also a lot of kind of subtext with uh, homosexuality in it. And we've talked at length about the story and the fact that Mark Patton was going through a lot of struggles because in real life he is gay and this movie kind of like outed him and really hurt his career as an actor in Hollywood. It's, it's an amazing movie. Aside from being a gay horror movie, I really enjoyed the film when it first came out. I love it even more now, now that I've met Mark, talked with him and uh, seen interviews and such. Have you seen it, Lexi? I can't say that I have. I'm not a big horror movie. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I know gosh. that's very much your thing, but yeah. Unless it's a bunch of girls getting even and practicing witchcraft, then it's up your alley. Right <laughs> up my alley. Right up my alley. Sign me <laughs> up. A guy getting possessed and having Freddy inside of him, that's not your thing. Mm, no, yes. but it does <laughs> pique my interest. <laughs> well, I think that if you watch it, it is pretty campy. You might actually enjoy it. It's a little dated, but if you watch it and then you watch the movie Scream Queen about his story and his struggles, getting that part, making it into Hollywood, and then how horrible Hollywood mm-hmm. was to gay people at that time period, I think you might actually enjoy it. But definitely watch Scream Queen after you watch Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. 
Mark okay. Patton is just a, a wonderful guy. Okay. I will. Um, any other notable horror movies from the gay genre? Uh, I always got to throw in it, throw in this category. Jennifer's body. I have <laughs> a love, hate relationship with, uh, Megan. What is her name? Oh my gosh. Uh, Fox? Was it- Megan yeah. Fox. Thank you. Gosh. That's, that's just like an iconic name in itself. Robbie, um, are, are you gay? Because you keep talking about girls and Jennifer's body. Okay, maybe I wanted to on? be Megan Fox in that film just so that way, you know, I could just wear the clothes that she wears. Okay, calm down. Okay, I'm giving your gay card right back to you. <laughs> You're you, all right man. again. You're just all right. Tucking that away, my person. Right. No. <laughs> Jennifer's body was so, I thought it was so damn good. And the chemistry in the kind of the awkward chemistry between. Uh, Megan Fox's character, uh, Jennifer, and the the opposing actress. Oh, God, I forgot her name, too. Was it Amanda? Amanda Seyfried? Seyfried. Yeah. Seyfried. Yep, yep, okay. Yep. Thank you. The chemistry between them was awkward. It was unique. It was still of that age where it's kind of like you're trying to figure out yourself. And although Jennifer is basically a fucking demon, um, <laughs> she's she's playing at, uh, Amanda Seyfried's, her character's innocence and her exploring her sexuality at that teenage age i thought it was great I, I honestly feel as though that this was kind of a one of those roles that a lesbian could say it was kind of like a coming of age like when you saw it you're like holy shit like megan fox is you know beautiful or sexy or whatever and, and that chemistry between them two was something a little bit like kind of like watching what the first batman when uh when was his face in that chess play i mean that was, a, that was a big awakening for everybody. So anyway, so uh, it's kind of one of those films that played into that. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I liked that they added that chemistry in there. Rather than this demon that's trying to get her way and whatever, they added this chemistry that was in there between the two. And it was this lesbian heat. I, I, thought, that was, I thought it was fucking awesome. And I love, of course, I love horror. So that was, I think, one in the books where I was like, cool. They definitely, I love when a, a film does a little bit of a, lgbtq spin on things or adds a little bit of flavor to it because i feel seen and i feel like the Mm -hmm. community is seen so the fact that that was in jennifer's body i thought that was great so yeah you know you had said that megan fox her character is a demon but you know is that really a stretch because every guy i ever talked to that's gone through a divorce they say all women are demons i mean i wouldn't know because i'm gay but what are your thoughts on that okay disclaimer (laughs) all right so Okay, and I think you know this, Mark. Lexi, I don't think you're aware. No, so I feel I... like there's a big revelation. <laughs> <laughs> so I have had ex-girlfriends in the past. Um, what? And yes. Uh, and Wait, I... Fruit flop or girlfriends? No, Robbie? actual girlfriends. So oh. I identify as pansexual. Give me your gay card. Give it to me right now. You fucking take it. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's hard. I don't know. It's a, okay. Anyways, moving on, Mark. God, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I see you, Robbie. I see you in your pansexuality. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This is a safe space with Lexi and I. Yeah, it's not all about walks and frying pans over here. You know, you just said to me, you take it. That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Very campy, and we love it. We're gay. We love it. (laughs) Moving on. Favorite drama, but fun. We want to have fun with this. Not, we don't want the serious drama. We'll get to the the serious, like, HIV stuff later. But what's your guys' favorite fun drama? 
that you can enjoy it and still walk out of the theater like we're not talking like platoon we're talking about not real heavy but i mean it's a it's like a a memoir movie maybe or something along those lines but we don't want to talk about that the heavy stuff i don't want to give spoilers on what i'm going to talk about but (laughs) all right how about a league of their own love it Love it. Oh, damn, that's a good one. (laughs) Now, why did you say that, Lexi? Well, first of all, it's got all the, you know, little homo undertones with all the (laughs) ladies. Also, one of the ladies it's based off of just turned 90 and came out. And I do believe Netflix is going to do a series based on A League of Their Own. And I can't think of a better, almost like a better show to redo and bring out even the more of the gay undertones i can vouch that this is happening very very good call out this film is incredible it is being redone it's actually done and coming out soon i want to say it's actually on amazon prime but i might have to double check abby jacobson uh one of the creators of broad city is actually Mm -hmm. a part director and i think that she wanted to make sure that it did pay homage to the coming out of one of the characters so as far mm-hmm. as I'm aware, the this new retelling of the story involves a romance between, I don't know if it's two of the characters or a, a character and their love interest, but I am so excited for this retelling of the story. Although the, the classic can never be touched, Madonna and Ma- Rosie O'Donnell. Donna. And, oh my God, <laughs> everybody in there. Tom, it just, it mm-hmm. was the best cast ever. And this movie will go down in history it was it's fucking incredible you know i know a lot of gay guys and when they talk about the cast of a league of their own they would they would basically say it like well you've got madonna and then you've got madonna and then of course there's madonna and don't forget madonna (laughs) and they they forget the other amazing (laughs) cast but Uh, i i got a question for you lexi ann kuzak is in this and is she related to your kuzaks you know i don't know I okay. mean, is she? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, she's the she's the one that does. She's isn't able to read when she goes to the board and she can't read if she made oh. the team. That's a Cusack. Yep. Okay. I love the Cus- I, lo- I like you said. I love the Cusack so much. <laughs> yeah. Anything with a Cusack, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, what about you? Favorite drama, but fun. Uh, favorite drama. Um, I would say one of my favorites is it's called The Fourth Man Out. Um, it's a newer film. Um, it's a coming out story. I I relate to it a lot. It's definitely heavy with some moments of, you know, self discovery and being afraid of disappointing those around you and keeping your job, not being outcast, trying to just want acceptance and not pushing those people away that have been in your life for so many years but now when you announce something that you're there's that fear of them turning their back on you it does have extremely lighthearted moments to kind of give you an idea it's this uh the coming out story is about a, a guy who comes out and he's a little bit older than the regular or standard coming out story which usually happens in a younger age teens possibly uh this involves i think a gentleman coming out in his late 20s he is a mechanic, comes out to his best friends. There's three of them, and they have this incredible friendship. But when he comes out, he is terrified of losing them and losing the dynamic that they have and them treating him differently. 
But the heartwarming and the fun part of it is that they try to understand where he's coming from and do research and, and go based off of other movies and other social media, other type things. Cause it's a, it's a little bit of a newer movie. They kind of go above and beyond where he's like, okay, you don't have to take me to a gay bar to, you know, get the point across that you accept me or, you know, you don't have to like watch porn with me. Like it's not that kind of stuff. So, and his best friends are trying to do their best. But th this again is something that they've never experienced before. So it's it's a really heartwarming story, very dramatic, has extremely funny parts. Uh, the community that they live in is a little bit more of a blue-collar town. Everybody that surrounds him is doing their best to, to adjust for him while he's almost like, stop making it such a fucking big deal because now you're making it awkward. It's a great film. Yeah. I'm going to have to check this out. This is 2015, and yeah. it's interesting because you said it's drama, but it's lighthearted, and it's it's listed as both a drama and comedy. Oh. And, I, and the way that you describe it is so natural. I wonder if somebody involved with the writing is actually gay because uh, sometimes it's it's hard for like straight people to connect and write a good screenplay. And I, as I've been doing my research on all my movies, <laughs> I see that there's some some definitely some gay influence for a lot of uh, a lot of film. I'll have to definitely check this out. Anything else that we need to mention about drama that is lighthearted before we move forward? I don't have mm. any that are lighthearted. Um, you know, I got. I guess this would probably be the place to talk about Mommy Dearest. So <laughs> wait, are we talking about lighthearted? Because we just switched yeah. like 180. Not lighthearted. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, is again, when we talk about camp and we talk about lighthearted, I know so many gay guys that uh, Mother's Day, they go down to Broovies in S Salt Lake City, and they have a couple of cocktails, and they just laugh the whole way through Mommy Dearest. Not saying that it's appropriate, but it's just the fact that it's so overacted. You know, you have Joan Crawford, and she's mean as shit to Tina during the whole movie, and beats her with a wire hanger, and doesn't let her keep all the Christmas gifts. But, but isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> but you have all these gay guys and you look around the, the audience and they've got a huge smile now of course i can't see their boyfriend's head maybe it's not the movie they're smiling about <laughs> i but, was just about to say <laughs> but i will have to say that mommy dearest it's pretty much overacted i think it is campy i won't say it's in line with philadelphia that's why i say oh. i gotta bring it up now yeah okay yeah. Okay. So, in just honorable mentions, besides Mommy Dearest, one of my favorites, I have a coat worn by um, Faye Dunaway uh, when she marries the CEO of Pepsi in the film. I have her coat. I got to have something Ooh. from that from that movie for my collection. Two other honorable mentions: Behind the Candelabra, the story of Liberace. Mm -hmm. That's Any a thought? good one. <sighs> my nana really liked that one. She couldn't believe people treated him so horribly and used him as much as they did. Uh, <laughs> I had read the book before I actually saw the movie. So when I heard that they were doing casting and that they were going to actually produce this film, I was more than excited. I love that movie. I, <laughs> I know, Robbie, what are your thoughts? Robbie, did we watch that here? We you did. And I? you were wearing, uh, like, you were naked with a fur coat on the entire time. It was super uncomfortable. <laughs> Well, but, but the movie I'm itself... not naked if I'm wearing a fur coat. <clears throat> True. Yeah, it's just hanging out. Anyway, yeah. so when we were watching it, it it just ha uh, honestly, I was going into this blindly. I I knew of Liberace. 
Look I, up. I, <laughs> I, I didn't know much about the history. I didn't know any of this. Again, I'm, I'm young. So just kind of was going into this, hoping for a decent film that, you know, that the gentleman, the older gentleman sitting next to me wasn't going to fall asleep during. So when I watched it, it was, it was interesting. It definitely gave that like biographical, it, it was great to see some of the history and some of the stuff that had gone on. And, and I, I'm assuming, because I never, I usually do research after the film, of course, just to kind of make sure that things were told, you know, as they should be. But I, I, I didn't on this film. And it was appalling, some of the stuff and how quick people are replaced in the industry and how mm. uh, dispensable you are. You, They come and they go. That door is always turning. Mm-hmm. And so it's scary. It's it's vicious. It's shady. It's uh, It's terrible. And then also that sex scene between them. That I, I I think I gave myself some anxiety. Yeah, that was a. Uh, it was really so, oily and sweaty and uh, stressful. So. That sounds hot. Um, yeah. okay. so, so so most most movies you actually watch and you go and you do research on them, but on this one you had to go get a therapist. Uh, two actually. So yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Fair enough. Now I loved I love Behind the Candelabra so much. I've got a clapper board used during production. <laughs> that is mounted on a poster from behind the candelabra. And that is hanging in the house here. Absolutely love it. Fell in love with it. Was so obsessed with it that when I went to Las Vegas with my ex and my friend Maureen, we actually went to Liberace's house, which is close to the airport. It was in very poor shape. And I think it was for sale at that point. Uh, It has since been purchased by a British investor and restored back to its original glory. Um, I would love to see inside that house. But, Are they uh, doing it, like a Liberace world? I don't think they're... I don't know. It's in a residential neighborhood. It's really odd. Because it's, really? it's not a great neighborhood. But it's not open up to the public. I think that they have special events. Uh, I don't know how that works and how much he charges. I think you probably have to follow him on social media to see... When he has an event, I don't know what donation he's looking for for you to be able to go inside that house. Oh, but, okay. it, but it's just an average looking place. It does have the uh, the metal fence around it with the, an L like on every section of fence for Liberace that's gold. And that is it, crazy. It is crazy. And I was like, God, like the stories that that house could tell. Gross. The, the oil that's been all over. <laughs> oh my god. The gallons of lubricant, of silicone lubricant. Gross. Ugh. <laughs> Imagine if he had Amazon back then. God, like you just drive- walk in, you're like, is that poppers? Like what what's that smell? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> that's that's Liberace, or as his friends called him, Lee. Gross. <laughs> 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 that movie really disturbs you. Huh? It was I, it was mind boggling because somebody that who is again like Lexi was saying, a lot of people didn't know. And I thought, how do you mm-hmm. not know? Like I know I had red flags when I was little, listening to Spice Girls at five years old. But there was, <laughs> I mean, he, the way he dressed, the way he acted, the, all of this stuff, and people were just blindsided by it, or just admit or accept or whatever it may be. But then also this life that he led was so. There was so much going on that I thought how to mentally balance your work life, which is, I feel like almost was 85% of his life was continually uh, keeping up this appearance of a heterosexual, a flamboyant heterosexual pianist 
with all of this entourage of these very attractive men around you and always still saying like, no, I'm not. And then having to hide it and try to keep some kind of relationship or some kind of companionship. I just, I almost found it exhausting for him and it was terribly sad. And is that Matt Dillon? That was the Matt, uh, Matt, Damon. Matt Damon, Matt Damon. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. To just to see on from his perspective of the the night the amount of him being so naive about the industry and hoping for the best and seeing how replaceable and how how fast things moved and it was a lot for a movie and usually the biographical movies about somebody's life but this one was a lot I felt like after I watched it I just needed a shower a smoke and a shower. <laughs> Do you guys simultaneously? Do you guys feel like that's a classical kind of thing as we go back in history is looking at these flamboyant men that we look at now that were obviously gay but were followed and fawned about with straight women. Straight women love gay men. Yes. They, oh, yeah. they want oh, to yeah. take you home and make you their husbands. You know, yeah. like yeah. so I feel that he lived a very I feel like heard about story over and over again that I feel like keeps popping well, up in history. He had so many female followers and they loved his like jewelry and his coats and his extravagant. He could have been the, more gay over the top <laughs> lifestyle, but he had to protect that because you remember the time period when he was very popular. If they had found out that he was gay, he wouldn't have had the following. He wouldn't have made the money. They wouldn't have flocked to Vegas to go see him. Correct. And so he had to be in the closet just to just to make a living. And so I feel bad for him from that standpoint. But as far as him and his sex addiction and bringing new guys in and having his henchmen throw the old one out and bring the new one in, and they clearly demonstrated that in the movie, is yep. really, really sad. And I think, I don't quote me on this, but I think that Scott Thorson, his lover that takes place, that wrote the book Behind the Candelabra, I believe he may have been underage when they first met. Really? Yeah. Whoa. I feel really bad for Scott because, you know, they say that the male brain is not even fully developed till age 25. And if you look at how old Scott was when he was groomed and brought in and the kid, you know, he didn't have like sound family structure. And again, they demonstrate that in the movie. Yep. He was groomed by Liberace and he'd never seen that extravagant amount of money and lifestyle and fast cars and uh, booze and mink coats and jewelry, whatever you want. And so, of course, it pulled him in. You know, Liberace gave him the candy and pulled him in. Yeah. So it's, it's, I can't defend Liberace. I just love the story because it's a lot like Bombie Dearest. It's so over the top. And you're like, oh my God. I, yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Yep. And that's why I loved it. Um, one honorable mention I want to talk about is also similar way that the story is told where it's so over the top, you can't look away, is I, Tanya 2017 about uh, Tanya Harding. Oh, I love that movie. It's so it's, great. It's so great. It's white trash wholesome. I Her love mother. <laughs> that, now, who was the, the mother in, in that movie? I, Tanya. I know. Is it Allison Janey? Is J that Jane, Allison J Janey? J-A-N-N-E-Y. Yeah. Your mother. And she is the best part of the movie. She's a complete and utter bitch. And I think that any gay person that loves Mommy Dearest or Behind the Candelabra will love I, Tanya. Hands down. And Margot Robbie. 
Oh, oh. she's such a babe. She she's as a gay guy, I would totally be her fruit fly. <laughs> I would hang around her no problem. She's amazing. <laughs> um, I I have not seen it. So I this is actually uh, one on my film list that I absolutely need to watch. It continually throws itself in my face. Like and tonight. I, I know I will. Okay, I promise. I Boy Scouts promise uh, I will do it. Oh, yes. Um, I'm not a Boy Scout, but I'll do it. <laughs> Girl uh, Scout when, you, <laughs> when you watch it, please message me and tell me your thoughts, Robbie. Probably won't, but okay. Oh, heartless. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, now, the more serious side of drama. Lexi, what do you think? Drama, serious part of drama, your go-to. I'd have to say Gia. Uh, Gia. Gia. Angelina Jolie, uh, based on a true story about lesbian model in the 80s that ends up getting AIDS from drug use. And and she was up and coming. She ended up passing away at a really young age. And it's kind of about her struggle in the industry and with her mother, you know, being gay and everything like that. And drugs. 1998. Uh, Top fashion model from the late 1970s. Rise to the forefront of the modeling industry to her untimely death. Boy, that's a young Angelina Jolie I can see in the trailer. Such a young Angelina Jolie. And this around this time, this 1996, 97, 98, this was around the time I came out. And so anything with gay Angelina Jolie, I was all over. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of my favorites is in there. Mommy Dearest, Faye Dunaway, was in that film. Oh, yeah. Yes. Got to mention that. Robbie, what about you? Uh, this one I watched after, um, after I attend, uh, attended a film festival, if this was one of the movies that I voted to go see, but, uh, sadly I was outvoted. Um, so I ended mm. up watching it after the fact and it broke my goddamn heart into thousands of pieces. It's called Bent. It is, I want to say it's a Holocaust era film about two it's a basically a forbidden love story, if I remember correctly. It's been quite a few years since I've seen it. Uh, a forbidden love story between two people, two individuals, and one of them is quite surprising. Um, I want to say it's not Gerard Butler. It is... I forgot who one of the main characters is, one of the gentlemen. It is so heartbreaking. And not only, not only are you watching this film that is taking place during the Holocaust... It also shows you another side of it, which is a forbidden romance that is not allowed to work during this time and the conditions that they live in and what they go through. Not only the physical and mental and emotional trauma of all of this surrounding their setting, but also that they are tortured together, that Uh, they are, they go through so much stuff together. And this film will forever be in my heart. It is. I honestly say I will I'll just fucking break down and cry when I watch it because it is so hard to watch and it's such a serious content. Uh, it has such serious content. It is It is not a movie that you have to like finish it and be like, okay, 
let's put Moana on now because I need <laughs> something to help me get out of this goddamn depression now. It's not a lighthearted movie to say the least. Uh, it is, but it shows another aspect to homosexuality at different. I, I like time periods movies, especially when it's LGBTQ related, and this one definitely. I don't want to say doesn't disappoint because that sounds terrible, but it's something that I think needs to be seen by more people. Yeah, it's a it's a tearjerker. It's a it's a it's a heartbreaker. It's uh, it's rated NC seventeen in nineteen uh, thirties. Oh, in nineteen thirties Berlin, a gay Jew is sent to a concentration camp under the Nazi regime. Is that the one? Are we talking That's about? That's right totally movie? it. NC seventeen. Yeah. yeah, and it's wow. uh, Mick Jagger is in this movie. Yes. Yep. And he plays Greta. Wow. <laughs> so, there's, Clive, there's, yeah. Clive Owen is one of the leads. That's and he him. is, he is very thin, of course, probably because of the period piece, like you said, in uh, concentration camp. Very sad. I can already see from the trailer. Ugh. It's terrible. Yeah. Everybody watch it. Yeah. <laughs> don't know, uh, to say, I, but do it. <laughs> we don't want any type of depressant like alcohol around when you're watching this. Yep, nope. This is going to be one for the... It's a cry fest. And then afterwards, watch some Still Magnolias uh, and <laughs> embrace that 50, 60-year-old woman and do it. So, <laughs> Well, the serious one that I'm going to talk about is Flawless, but it's not nearly as serious as yours, Robbie. Mine's 1999, and it's got Robert De Niro, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's a great film. They are neighbors in an apartment building robert de niro is disabled and cannot stand gay people and philip seymour hoffman plays the most spectacular wonderful drag queen who is never short with one-liners and to cuss his ass out and he ends up in a situation where he has to ask uh, her for help and it's great and they actually again without giving too much of a spoiler to it they start to get along but it's a great film it's a must it's one of those films that i watch once a year and it's great oh man philip seymour hoffman is just an amazing actor but when you see him in this you'll have new respect for him he's great i need Um, to watch that one other one one other one that i want to just mention real quickly is philadelphia tom hanks aids discrimination more along the lines with bent with uh, Robbie's suggestion, but it's sad stuff. And it's a reality, unfortunately, where, you know, you have to be careful because there's still is discrimination, sadly enough, mm-hmm. in this day and age, uh, especially yeah. amongst people that uh, do not care for the gay and lesbian community. But uh, I feel like we have to throw in boys don't cry either on that. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. That rip Jesus. your heart out. That that one is that one affected me more so than Philadelphia, because that yes. one was just brutal. That one was really a sad film. But I remember getting actually, I think I yelled at my sister because I was so upset that she hadn't seen it, and I thought, "What kind of lesbian are you? Have you not? <laughs> what I mean, the shit? Like, are, how how's your gay brother seen this film before you? It that movie almost like you said, uh, Mark, with Philadelphia." The acting is incredible, so much so that in Philadelphia, I hated Denzel for a hot minute because of that movie. <laughs> and then uh, because the boys don't cry, I thought I there's just so much, especially um, I, I do a lot of rodeo stuff in, in the, the LGBTQ plus rodeo world. I, I kind of 
live in now, uh, there's just a lot of hate that we see at events from time to time. And it literally brings me back to that film where in rural settings like um, Boys Don't Cry, it is goddamn heart-wrenching. It's it's so fucking terrible. God damn it. That's a good movie. It can still be a very scary place. Yes. Sad, sad movie. Let's end this uh, podcast on a higher note and just briefly talk about... Uh, okay. <laughs> you, you took the words right out of my mouth. A musical, Robbie. So a musical that is your favorite as a gay man. Uh, fuck. Every musical is a gay thing. So um, <laughs> I would probably say Rocky Horror Picture Show is i at first i did it, i think i watched it i don't know 32 times before i realized it was a musical because i think it just it's seamless it's not like okay here we go we're gonna start singing it was just vile and weird and it made me feel things that i've never felt before i campy like, very campy it very is campy. so over the goddamn top um it's just spilling over it I think I was exposed to more stuff there. Like I learned more stuff about like the human body in that film <laughs> than I had ever learned in any maturation class I ever went to. <laughs> but it was it was every second is entertaining, is so goddamn weird, and I loved again every second of it. <laughs> I, I, it that's my favorite for sure, hands down. The end. I Rocky Horror Picture Show speaks for itself. Yes, it Frank does. and Furter, uh, Tim Curry. Just really weird. Um, let's baby do this. Susan Sarandon in her yeah. little oh. oh my god, she's such a baby. She's so cute. <laughs> let's do the time more. What, Lexi, <laughs> what is your favorite? Well, and I don't know if anybody else will agree with this at all, but my favorite, what I would say, is a musical was Labyrinth with David Bowie. Oh, there, there was very much, you know, this androgynous thing that went with it, and Jennifer Conley that just really played my gay little heartstrings, you know. You know, uh, is it just me, or does David Bowie like present himself kind of like this whole androgynous image? Yes, he was wearing eye makeup. He had the big old '80s hair. But, he was but wearing even, a leotard. Even in general, it seems like in other media, like uh, music, music videos, it seems yes. like he's the perfect character for Labyrinth, like to play that part. I agree. Yeah. Yes, he's very androgynous. Amazing person. What about you, Robbie? Thoughts on Labyrinth? So, I hid my card. Somewhere we'll never find it. I have never seen it. I have oh never God. seen Labyrinth. Yeah. I I know. I, I think it was again before my time. It was nineteen eighty six. And it has puppets. It's Jim Henson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Technically puppets. Though yeah, they don't look true. like puppets. See, but. I'm I'm gay, but I'm just not that gay. Um I <laughs> I, you know, I, I honestly do want to see it. I know that even my husband has talked about it before, and oh. um, I just never seen it. So I and I hate to say it, but I might I might just have to watch it to watch it because there's not an appeal to me. So I I oh think if I, once I watch it, I think my mind will change. Like a lot of these movies that I'm introduced to, it's like you have to actually 
take the effort and actually watch it, and then you're like, oh, actually, that was really fucking good. But because uh, I naturally wouldn't go after looking for it at all. I don't know what it is. You have failed me for the last time. <laughs> is that from the movie? Because again, like I said, I just have not if seen you it. don't know what that's from, I don't. I'm going to take away your human being card if you don't know what that's from. Uh, there's so many films, Mark. I, oh I work. God, I still work on. for a living. I'm not retired. Uh, uh, I'm not retarded. <laughs> okay, Come. moving on. My choice for favorite musical has got to be Hairspray. But I love John Waters. I've talked about it in our past episodes of podcasting uh, of the Gay Florida Man. He is the Pope of Trash, and he did Hairspray, and he introduced us earlier films, Pink Flamingos, but then went mainstream in Hairspray, Divine, possibly the greatest drag queen to ever walk the earth. And I know, I'm sorry for those people that follow RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race. Any one of the people that are on RuPaul's Drag Race or RuPaul is going to know all about Divine. And Divine is amazing. Do you guys know Divine? Yes. Yes, okay. I do. No. Am I right to say that? That like Divine came before all of them? Oh, easily. Okay. Easily. Yeah. Amazing, amazing drag queen. Amazing artist. And John Waters' uh, Hairspray is just <laughs> such a fun musical. I'm so glad that John Waters finally broke into mainstream and has been able to give us so many more movies and did Correct. not stay yep. in Baltimore. So, but that's my thoughts. Anyways, any other movies that we need to talk about? Crickets? I don't think so. I don't Lexi. You know, I just on that little lesbian then um, girl interrupted. I feel was a, you know, a good little lesbian show. Other than that, I'm out of movies. All right. Well, then I'd say we've done pretty well. Um, in the future, uh, Lexi, you're going to come back and join us in uh, future discussions, whether it be about film or anything else? Uh, totally. I'd love to do that. All right. Well, we want to have you back. Robbie, any I other think thoughts? I'm, I'm just over this now, so I think <laughs> I need to find people my age. Uh, so, <laughs> You know... Um, <laughs> Apparently, Robbie's the diva, Lexi. So, oh Makes man, sense. I'm just a sassy asshole. Um, no, I, I, of course, I love this. I love, I love anything, any kind of gay media, LGBTQ plus stuff. I, I love it. I'll be better. I'll watch more movies. Um, I will do better. Okay. Well, well, we definitely uh, we love having you here. We love having you on the Gay Florida Man. Lexi, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Robbie. You guys made my first threesome absolutely fucking amazing. You're it was welcome. okay. I finished this episode <laughs> with the same thing I tell you every time, and that is to be good. And if you can't be good, be good at it. And if you're in prison, you're not good at it. Good night, everybody. Mm -hmm.